0: Hey everybody, this is Art Gelwicks, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of Being Productive. Now remember, click on like, follow, and subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes. Now, since we're all about being both efficient and effective at work and at home, let's go ahead and get started. Hello, everyone. As I mentioned last episode, I'm trying to get back into the swing of things and recording on a more frequent basis. So here's week two in a row. We'll see if we can make it three next week. This week, I wanted to kind of do a little catch up work. Give you some updates on what's been going on. uh, Follow up on last episode, talking about the task management exercise I'm doing in OneNote. Also to discuss a little bit My thoughts on an article I read from The Slate regarding the current employment situation that people have, specifically when it comes to interviewing. I also want to talk a little bit about a blog post I released this week talking about wearable technology. And this is something that we're going to be digging into on the cross-platform podcast tomorrow in more detail as to how it applies but i wanted to supply some context here to explain a little bit about where i look at wearable technology from and finally this week on productivity cast we started into a series exercise of recordings that'll be released later on in the year around terminology for productivity and i'm struggling a little bit with one of the terms that we came out with one of the standard terms, productivity itself. And specifically, I wanted to dig into that a little bit and talk about why I struggle with it and why I think there's a better phrase to use than productivity. So we got a lot to cover. I don't want to tie up all your time today. So let's dig into it and get started. First things first, let's talk about my ongoing experiment with turning OneNote into my central task manager. As I discussed last episode, and if you haven't listened to it, you may wanna go back for some context. I'm trying to turn OneNote into the core of my system, specifically to be able to handle things that I need to do and track them. There is a built-in limitation with OneNote in the fact that it doesn't have reminders. So I've had to eliminate the concept of reminders embedded into my task management system as part of the execution to be able to run through this exercise. So how's it going? Well, I have the expected challenge of just because I'm changing systems, making that a habit of checking it frequently, using it frequently. There is a nice feature within OneNote on the Android platform that allows me to send specific pages or specific sections directly to my launcher to make them icons as if they were applications. That's really useful. I have started to use that not only around my weekly task list, but also specific activities. For example, this past weekend, I created a targeted task list just for the things I was going to do on Saturday because I had a busy day of chores on Saturday and i added a shortcut for that list to the launcher so i was able to at any time just tap it and see what was going on on saturday it isolated and allowed me to focus on what i was doing for that day downside of that is it does pull it away from the rest of the applica- or the rest of the task items so it made it a little difficult to then pop out and remind myself that i may have something else in another list that multiple list challenge works really well on the desktop. It's much it's appearing to be much more of a struggle on mobile, but we'll see how that goes. Another benefit of this setup, though, it is very adaptable. I've gone through and I've created task lists for various activities and I've modified the structure. I don't have to have all my task lists work the same way. Some of them are working in as you would have just a regular checklist, some in an outline format. Some of them are also including additional columns of data. I'm creating tables within OneNote to include things such as I was working on the podcast episodes, which episode a task is related to, to make sure I can work through the sequence and not have anything fall through the cracks. So that ad- adaptability in the structure of organizing my tasks has been very, very useful. Uh, there is a problem, though, and this is a problem that I'm, I'm running into hard, and I'm not sure I have a way to resolve it as of yet. And the problem is the notorious problem that OneNote has with its inconsistencies between functionality in application versions. The immediate problem I have is this. I've created lists within OneNote Desktop that provide me consolidated sets of tasks around topics. So I have an automotive list, I have a podcast list, I have a blog list, I have a project list, I have multiple project lists. And I've been taking advantage on the desktop the ability to link between pages to easily get back and forth. So for example, when I have a task list within one note that let's say, for example, deals with the cross platform podcast. There's another page that includes important reference information, links, graphics, and that sort. On the desktop, it works great because I just create a link between those two pages and I'm able to jump back and forth, and it, the flow is almost effortless. It doesn't work on mobile. For some reason, those links don't function on the mobile application on Android. So where I get into this flow on my desktop, if I walk away and I try to execute the same mental activity on mobile, it falls flat. I have to manually navigate to those locations. It's not a showstopper, but it's certainly a hindrance to the execution. And in my opinion, it's an unnecessary hindrance. This is the kind of feature and functionality that Microsoft and other vendors need to have consistent across their versions of their applications. This is not something where I'm asking it to connect to outside sources or provide any sort of fancy esoteric capability. This is basic. This is built into one version of your application. It should be in all of them. So I'm going to continue working with this exercise seeing how it functions and how well it's going to to work. I have a concern that task sprawl is going to become a problem of having so many different lists and so many different configurations that it becomes a little unmanageable. We'll see. It may be that I wind up having to dedicate more time to keeping the structure organized. I am thinking about also, though, doing an exercise where I'm trying to duplicate this functionality within another application. It's called Workflowy and I've used Workflowy for years. It's a very outline centric design. They've expanded the application capabilities quite a bit. So I should be able to emulate a lot of the same functionality. I'm not going to go down that path quite yet, but if I continue to struggle structurally in the next week or so, With the OneNote task implementation, you may hear me start to dip my toe more into the workflowy side and see if I can duplicate it there and see what the pluses and minuses are. So progress is being made. It works. It's going, I would say, well, and if I had to give it a grade so far as a solution, I would give it a solid B at this point. Recently, I was reading an article over at theslate.com talking about how hiring managers are getting all up in arms over potential employees, ghosting them as part of the hiring process. Now, if you're not familiar with the term ghosting, ghosting is literally what the name says. You go start through a process, you start interacting with someone, and then you disappear. You stop reacting to them. You stop responding to their messages and their calls you literally have disappeared as the proverbial ghost. And apparently this is happening more and more frequently to hiring managers as part of the hiring process. They'll get through a series of interviews, they'll have some interactions, and then the potential employee just disappears. And the hiring managers, as I said, are all up in arms. They're saying how unprofessional this is and how this shouldn't be done, and this is not an acceptable behavior. And then the article goes where I think, where i instinctively went with when i started to read that and i agree with the article completely this is a little bit of just desserts hiring managers have been doing this to potential employees potential hires for years and decades where they will literally start them through an onboarding process they'll start them through a series of interviews and then disappear You will never hear from that hiring person again until long after the end, when you finally may get a response from them and they say, oh, no, we went a different direction. If that is not the core of unprofessionalism in modern society, I don't know what is. There is no effort, none whatsoever, to sending a notification, an email, anything like that to indicate that the position has been filled. That's all it takes. But no, so often hiring managers will react and they'll say, oh, we have so many resumes to deal with and we have so much to work. I'm sorry, I specialize in optimizing solutions and automating processes for maximum work throughput. This is something that can be automated extremely easily And it closes the loop. It has nothing to do with the hiring manager at that point. It has everything to do with the perception of that company by that potential employee and who that potential employee is going to communicate with after the fact. So when you think about the last time you've gone through a hiring process, and you start in and and maybe it's something as simple as you've reached out about a a posting and you submit a resume and they say oh yeah we'll do an interview we'll do a couple of interviews and they respond back and then you hear nothing that is exactly what these hiring managers are complaining about is happening to them now because in our new world of working Potential employees have come to recognize the fact that they don't have to put up with this foolishness anymore. If a hiring manager is going down a path that they are not interested in, they are under no obligation or compunction to talk to them. They don't have to deal with them. They don't have to interact with it. It's a business transaction and they can choose to end that transaction at any point in the process. This mindset that potential hirees need to supply a level of respect to an employer who does not return that level of respect to potential hirees is out of date and needs to be gotten rid of. So, I'm going to include a link to the article in the notes below. I think it's an excellent read, especially if you've ever been through this process, but even more so if you are involved in a hiring process, maybe not directly as a hiring manager, maybe just as an interviewing manager, maybe just as an interviewing person, when you go back and you find that that position was filled, there is nothing wrong with asking those hiring managers to say, hey, did you let everybody know that was filled? There's no harm in that. And if it's too difficult, If the response that you get back is, oh, that's too much work, give me a call, because it's not. If you're like me, you've built your productivity platform using a variety of hardware, various software, and adaptations of a number of different productivity methodologies. So often we're not locked into one single tool or solution, but we cross many different options to create a platform of our own. That's what my new podcast, Cross-Platform, is all about. You see, each week, Augusto Pinald from Productivity Cast and Anything But Idle, and I get together to discuss the opportunities and challenges that arise from creating custom productivity platforms. We explore hardware, software, and methodologies in an informal way, discussing how we've put them to best use, as well as the problems we've encountered. We record our shows live on YouTube and then publish the podcast for your listening pleasure wherever you get your podcasts. Come join us for a live recording, watch the show on YouTube, or catch the podcast of cross-platform each week. If you're trying to get the most out of your personal productivity platform, well, Cross Platform is the podcast you should be listening to. Coming up on tomorrow's episode of Cross Platform, Augusto and I are going to be exploring wearable technology, specifically how we both use it And how it impacts our own productivity and today i posted a blog post exploring that idea a little bit but i wanted to take some time here on the podcast to give some context around where i come from when it deals with wearable technology and how it fits into my world on a daily basis and i believe that context is very important Because when you look at wearable technology, it is a very personal thing. It is the one piece of technology that is closest to your being, to not sound too profound. I wear a Samsung Galaxy watch. I wear the newest version of the watch. I have been wearing a Samsung Galaxy watch for probably about three years now. Uh, I had the Frontier before that. I've also had a Fossil. Wear OS watch because I wanted to try the operating system in the tech. I was sorely disappointed in the operating system, not so much the device. The Fossil watch was a nice enough watch, very nice design, but its implementation of Wear OS just was horrendous. But why does this all matter? Well, Because my Galaxy Watch, my smartwatch, is the one piece of my technology, aside from my phone, and the phone is kind of a given for almost all people who have a smartphone, that I notice when it's not there. Now, that's an important framework for this, because it's easy within wearable tech spaces to try to do too much on a device like this especially with new versions of the phone or the watch devices, if it's an Apple Watch or a Samsung or whomevers, they're adding more and more capabilities to it. And there's a point of diminishing return. There's certain things that these devices just flat out don't do well. Don't ever try to use the keyboard on one of them. You'll just go blind. But the ability to integrate these into your normal daily life so that they streamline things to do is extremely useful. And there are aspects of them that I think have become more and more integral as I move forward. Couple of the things I use them for all the time. The fact that my watch interfaces with my calendar is a big thing. At any time I can glance and see what's the next thing on my agenda. Now. Yes, I know. In theory, I could do that on my phone, too, and I have done it on my phone frequently. The difference here is I don't have to. If I get a text message and I'm working on something, the text message comes through on my watch. I can see it. I can respond to it if I want to. I can at least acknowledge it, which is, and I'll probably talk about this in a future episode, The most important part of getting a message is at least acknowledging the fact that you got it. You don't even have to respond to it. Just confirm. But that's a whole different discussion. But the fact I can do that from the smart device or the smartwatch makes my life more convenient. I can do it when it would normally be inconvenient to use my phone. So taking those pieces and then coupling them with the things that smartwatches do extremely well such as sleep tracking and i use mine for sleep tracking all the time because i know and have had quantified because of sleep tracking what the impact is on my productivity and my energy levels and my mindset when i do get good night's sleep versus when i don't and i can look at what was the cause and the effect to get me to that state and try to prevent it in the future therefore raising my overall level of productivity just because I'm preventing things that are going to draw it down in the first place. But then adding to that, again, convenience factors. There's been an interesting sidestep that has occurred. And because of the entire COVID-19 pandemic, one of the things that I've seen appear more and more frequently is that more and more businesses have started to introduce touchless payment systems in their locations. Now up until this point a lot of them would use chip-based card readers and things like that. A few would have tap to pay. But this is becoming more and more common. More businesses are starting to have these for obvious reasons related to the pandemic, but The bonus is, I use my watch to pay for things all the time now. I just tap, done. And it's something that has been around for quite a while. If you're an Apple Watch user, you probably have used that feature. You may have configured it. I had limited success with that before in the older versions of my watch. But in this current version, it seems to work pretty seamlessly. This is why smartwatches, wearable technology is really important. And I mentioned it in the blo- in my blog post that when you need wearable technology, it needs to do its job efficiently and effectively. When you don't need the wearable technology, it needs to be invisible. And that to me is the measure of a good implementation. Now, I'm going to add to this pile a little bit. I've been talking about my watch constantly, but there's another piece that I would add into that, and that is my set of Galaxy Buds 2 earpods. These have become a very important part of what I consider wearable tech. Now, I know a lot of us don't think, okay, why would I consider my my earphones wearable tech? Well, one, it's tech Two, you wear it. So that's the obvious part. But the functionality that has started to expand into these devices, and and if we look at those on the Apple side with the new AirPods, the ability to do things such as when you receive a message, have the message read to you through the earbuds automatically is very compelling. I actually use it quite a bit more than I expected to the ability to have earbuds that will switch automatically between the devices you're using. In this case, I was using my Samsung tablet. I had my earbuds in watching a movie and I got a phone call on my phone. My earbuds automatically switched over. Now during the Samsung hardware announcements, my reaction was, Oh, okay. That's, that sounds neat. When would I ever use it? The first time I used it, I realized that this is a very powerful feature. This is a very compelling feature because it made the process more efficient, ergo making me more efficient in the process. So I consider these little guys part of my wearable tech. I do not have any smart glasses or anything like that. Uh, I doubt I will probably go down that path just for various reasons and the fact that I live in glasses all the time. But I think as we start to look at wearable tech in more detail, and as I said, we're gonna explore this more deeply in the next episode of Cross-Platform, we should be taking into consideration what our expectations are of the wearable tech, what we know it can do well, and don't try and make it do the things that we know it can't. Don't try to force it because if you force it, you diminish the overall experience and you make it less effective for you. Last but not least, I want to talk a little bit about a project that we're working on over at Productivity Cast. And we just started this week with exploring productivity terminology. Now, these will be future episodes that'll be coming out. But as we started to dig into this, and I did my own research around where some of the terminology has originated and what what some of the terms truly mean, I keep getting stuck on probably the most basic term we have, which is productivity. And if you look up the definition, It has everything to do with producing things, which kind of makes sense. It's in the name. But production and productivity is so often tied to velocity rather than quality. And that's where I'm having a problem with this. You see, when we talk about being more productive, the concept is is getting more work done but it has no discussion as to how good is that work that you're producing. I could potentially be highly productive and produce very poor quality work. I produce a lot of stuff, but it's not very good. And we see this with, say, cheap manufacturing processes. You go and order something and it's pennies on the dollar. You can get massive quantities of those items, whatever that widget is but there's a lot of errors. There's a lot of mismanufacturing. There's a lot of inconsistencies, but it's still productive unless you expand the definition of productivity to include the quality of the overall work. And I think this is where I'm going to start to try to change my lexicon a little bit even though you'll hear me use the term productivity and it's in the name of the show, and I'm not going to go change the name of the show anytime soon. I want to focus productivity around the delivery of quality work, increasing the delivery of quality work. This is a whole different conversation than just increasing the amount of work. And I think this takes us down the right way of thinking, because now we start to explore what are all the things that reduce the quality of our work? Not so much the things that hamper the amount of work we can do, but what are the things that hamper the amount of good work we can do? And there's a number of us, we talk about it in the show, we use a very similar definition of productivity for contextual purposes. Mine is traditionally doing the right things in the right ways at the right time, which lends itself to this quality of work concept. But I think we want to explore this more deeply. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do as an audience. As you think about productivity, specifically your personal productivity, your professional productivity, however you're going to use that word, Do not think about it anymore as increasing the amount of work you can get accomplished. Add in a word. Think about it as increasing the amount of quality work you can get accomplished. I'm curious to see where that takes us. I'm curious to see if that changes the dynamic. I have my own theories and I think it will. But I'm going to explore that in more detail over the next coming episodes, and we're going to see where that goes. But I'd like you to think about that a little bit more carefully. Are the actions you're taking helping you increase the amount of work you can get accomplished? Or are the actions you're taking helping you increase the amount of quality work you can accomplish? (laughs) Thanks for listening today. If you found this interesting and useful and you'd like to hear more, make sure you subscribe to Being Productive on the podcast app of your choice so you never miss an episode. We'd also love it if you'd become a supporter of the show by using the link in the show notes. Also, please like and share this and other episodes so we can help as many people as possible in being productive. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.